Okay, hi everyone. Uh, welcome to my podcast episode. Um, so in the next fifteen minutes, I'm gonna introduce a relatively ignored, uh, medium by art history, which is scent. Um, I'm gonna introduce how contemporary artists are working with smell and how this uh, medium helped them to develop their own practices. To do that, I'm gonna present a series of case studies, which I believe are the important points of the history of this medium. But before we officially enter the case studies, um, actually want to mention a question that what is the actual beginning of the contemporary history of olfactory art? Um, it's it's commonly believed that Marcel Duchamp's work in uh, 1938 with a poet in international exhibition of surrealism uh, in Paris, um, there was a collaborative piece in the gallery space that they um, placed roasted coffee beans all over the place. And then they claimed that the order or the smelling was a part of the gallery space, and that in itself was a work. And uh, from a very modern perspective, we we know that is something very contemporary, something very especially uh, considered. But um, here I'm 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 borrowing a research strategy from art history and the traditional photography history. Um, I'm trying to connect the similarities between this medium and photography or painting that um, in the 19th century, Romanticism actually influences a big part of Europe and also France. And in that case, if we try to discover some uh, artistic perfumers at that time, I mean, in the 19th century, who works in a very similar way of, of Romanticism artists, uh, we will for sure find this name, M.A. Guerlain, who was considered as uh, one of or the most creative Guerlain of his family. And his work Jiki, which was made in 1989, in- involved a series of synthetic ingredients and uh, that piece was one of the earliest um uh, earliest one in the whole history which um works with the synthetic materials that is important to the history that I'm going to introduce because uh synthetic ingredients are now considered as something not that much luxury in con- commercial works but it gives a whole new possibilities to the artist who, who has this kind of ambition to work with affections. But before that, they were only able to work with some um, essential oils, which were made from the organic plants or fruits. So the view of artists and uh, perfumers at that time were quite limited, and therefore, if we want to seriously consider this medium as a an independent medium to work with, we have to think of the prehistory of that and how uh, 
what we consider as the beginning point actually was formed. And this story of Jiki and Amy Grant was pretty much the case that I'm thinking of. So after that, here we have the canon of the canon of art history, Masato Shan, and um. Admittedly, that、um, he created so many concepts which are already developed into norms, say the spatial thinking of painting and how installations could be a, a direction of artworks, and、uh, the very early stage of performance works, and even this idea that. The artist's own life or daily life as art piece.、And、one of the norms is、um, this idea of using sand and or factory elements in the fine art. So in nineteen nineteen, that、um, he made a piece called Fifty CC of Paris Air, and、um, that was not that much about sand, but it's very much about air. Um, he he brought up this idea,、um, how much air could be an important character of art world, and clearly after that he developed that idea to 1938, the exhibition I mentioned before, the、um, international exhibition of surrealism, in which he made his、uh, roasted coffee piece. And here we basically have the very beginning of this medium, how it was involved in the contemporary art history, and、um, weirdly there was a gap between Monsieur Duchamp and uh, uh, later factory artists, because the next one would be Gong Paul Georgsdorf,、uh, and his work Smellers Two. Which was made in twenty twelve. <laughs> It's funny that this work could be a, a very good examples for、um, artists to know that keeping archives for work is quite important because、um, Wolfgang claimed that、um, he started to work with sand and became an. an A factory artist since nineteen eighty six, but、um, there, there's no documentation at all on his own website, and I cannot also Google it.、Um, so the earliest thing I can find is、uh, this piece、uh, called Smeller. He、um, collaborated with some musical artists, and in a live music performance, he constructed this room and、um, delivered. Uh, his、uh, self-made scent through pipes to the air, as an、uh, company with the performance. And then here we have a very important factory artist,、uh, Zizo Tolas. She's from England and she's based in Berlin. Um, this piece I want to mention is called the Smell Archive. She started this. Project since nineteen ninety. Basically, she went to different cities, say、um, Berlin, Paris, Beijing, New York, and she collected 
the smell of the, all the corners of the city and uh, built up this large, large smell archive of cities. And if you view the photos and archives she made, you immediately realize, as an artist, I believe, you immediately realize that something new could happen.、Um, it contains so many potentials and possibilities, and that is definitely one of the reasons why I want to mention it. And after that, another artist I want to mention is called Peter de Cooper.、Um, well, he had something very cheesy and unsurprising,、uh, but、um, there's a book. Called "Sent in Context"、um, by Peter de Cooper. That is interesting because it's a book with scent. So when you go through the book, you can literally smell the whole process of this artist's、uh, research, this artist's practice, and how his studio could smell like. How um, what kind of material that he was、uh, doing research on. And that was a very physical touch of the viewers. Another case I want to mention is Annika E. She's very important. She、um, was a Korean American artist and now live and work in New York. She works a lot with scent, and、uh, she also thinks of the relationship between. The artist, viewers, and the gallery space, especially the white cube of、uh, contemporary galleries, doing museums. By chance, I got to interview her research assistant, Victor, and Victor has talked with me about a lot of. Um, important information,、uh, including what's the very initial thoughts of Annika E about this medium, and here is a little clip of why Annika E started to work with this medium and what's the general introduction of her works. I think I would say that on the whole, Annika's practice does derive from what. She often calls the sensorium. So there's this idea of tapping into all of our senses.、Um, I think you're right when you said that、um, scent tends to be sort of relegated to a secondary position、um, in relation to you know things like the visual. And she actually has a really strong sort of underlying critique in her work around the white cube gallery. So. Um, if you go into pretty much any gallery, one thing that you'll notice is the lack of either scent、um, mm. and/or touch, and in some, in also I guess in this case,、uh, taste.、Um, there tends to be this sort of emphasis on the visual,、um, and so this has kind of already been、um, formulated by Kant, who、um, described. It, he described it as the hierarchy of the senses, with the visual kind of being at the top,、um, and taste,、uh, touch, and scent、um, kind of being inferior to to the visual. And so, in her work, she really wants to sort of problematize this、um, 
sort of privileging of the visual over the other senses. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where this sort of notion of the sensorium comes in. So how can we um, reinsert all of the other senses into the gallery, into art? And so that's kind of been a starting point for her work. I would say um, there is a number of different ways to kind of even begin sort of broaching this topic. I think that Arnica's work tends to be very political in that sense mm -hmm. itself is very heavily politicized. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a reason why, um, you know, we, I don't know, do kind of a bit of a nose scrunch when we smell something that we think is foul, even if it's not necessarily harmful, there's a sort of repulsion that's attached to it that um, is political. And after that, I asked if uh, Victor could revisit a former question, which is about the similarity between gallery space, the mat cubes, and um, the laboratories. We often compare the gallery space to the laboratory um, in that they're both sort of characterized by their sterility. So you have the you have the gallery, the, the white cube gallery model that you know has a lack of smell and very and various other senses, um, and then you have the the laboratory, which is you know quintessentially um, supposed to be a sterile environment um, to limit any kind of you know contamination um, or soiling of the cultures or whatever other um, you know uh, substances are being um, handled. So to sort of kind of like draw parallels between art and science. So, you know, we often think of, for a long time, we've, we've kind of thought about these as being opposed to one another. So you have, you know, the kind of experimentation of an abstract thinking of art and then the sort of um, uh, kind of rigorous um, sort of analytical thinking of science rooted in um, kind of um, concrete uh, facts. Um, and so, so we kind of think, we, we tend to think of them as being opposed to one another, um, when in fact, if you think about kind of the similarities between the gallery and the laboratory, mm -hmm. um, smell tends to be, smell is kind of like something that, that draws them together. After this series of research, I found out many artists and historians who um, put the focus on olfactory art are actually uh, constantly working on the legitimacy of this medium. That also partly proves this fact that uh, olfaction as a medium is highly marginalized by the mainstream art world. And that's also part of the reason why I chose to do um, the project on this particular medium rather than the others.